And what I feel the Lord's saying to you as a family. What I feel the Lord's saying to you as a family, Anakin, is that where you are going, He's gone before you. But who you align yourself with will determine whether you go towards Him or away from Him. It's important where you go that you as the priest of your family align yourself towards the Lord and align you with people that will draw you to the Lord. Does that make sense? Does that fit? Father, we thank you for your word. Can you just take me off the monitors, please? Thank you so much. So I titled this message, Get Me a Donkey. Just get me a donkey. Let's read this together in Matthew 21. Verse 1. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of the disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you anything, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately they went, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. We're going to read further, but I want to stop at this place. And I just want to give like an intro on this. These disciples have been walking with Jesus for three, three and a half years. They have seen him heal people. They've seen him multiply food. They've seen the miracles that he's done. Make the lame walk. Raise the dead, Lazarus come forth. And if he didn't put Lazarus in front of that, that whole cave would have come forth, you know. <laughs> and Jesus tells them, Go get me a donkey. And I said, like a, Really, Lord? A donkey? Is that what you want from me? You see, what they don't understand and what they don't know is what's going to happen, but he knows. He knows exactly what's going to happen. The Lord has maybe spoken to you about some stuff in your life that He wants you to do. That you think, well, that is so stupid. Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to come leave the city? Come and be a pastor in a church down here. You've got to be obedient. But you don't know where the Lord's going with it. Why would I start a small little business or a crash or garden service? The Lord tells me to do that. It's in my heart. I feel to do it. Sometimes people wait to hear the voice of the Lord like this. Brad. Brad. This is the Lord speaking. Yes. They want all the sound effects and buzz as well. Brad, I want you to do this and that. I want you. The Lord doesn't speak like that. I know one person has heard the voice of the Lord audible. Pastor John Buerta, he's from Pretoria. 
And he was standing on a mountain right next to the church. And he, and he kept on praying and said, Lord, I want to hear your voice audibly. And then the Lord spoke to him audibly. Those that saw him run down the hill couldn't believe an old man can run that fast. <laughs> okay. You see, it's a fearful thing who we serve. So when God speaks to us, he speaks to us kind and gentle. And if you've got the day piece of the fasting you've read there about how he took Elijah and he spoke to him, not in the thunder, not in the lightning, and not in the earthquakes, and not in the big things, but he spoke to him softly. Eden, come here. He didn't stand over here and say, I want you to do this. The Lord is, it's about a proximity. I want you to do this. The Lord whispers to us. He whispers to our spirit. He doesn't speak to your mind. Thank you. Because your mind is your soul, your will, your intellect, and emotions. God is spirit, and spirit speaks to spirit. So he speaks to your spirit. It's something that comes from the inner being that rises up that might not quite make sense. Go get me a donkey. How do you think these guys felt? Like, really, Lord, we're your disciples. We've done this, and we've done that, and da-da-da. We've got a history. We've been in ministry 20 years. You know, I've been serving you for 40 years, Lord. You know? Go get me a donkey. Lord, can't you send somebody else to get me a donkey? Can't you get somebody else to do that? It's like, it's really, it's a demeaning job. It's, it's small, it's menial. Don't want to do that. You see, God understands what lies beyond that. And he also, his language is specific. Get me a donkey. It's tied up with its mother. Bring it along. And if somebody asks you, you tell them, the Lord needs this donkey. This is very important. There are arguments in the world, and a lot of the, uh, other religions say, but Jesus never calls himself God. Then you take him to Matthew 21, because he says, the Lord, he calls himself the Lord, needs that donkey. It's important that you know that who's speaking here. Jesus is Lord. He is the Lord, your God. Amen. It's very, very important that we understand that. And he's sending them out on this task. Go get me a donkey. Your donkey looks different. The thing that the Lord has asked of you looks different. It sounds different. And it might seem to you, really? I must join a puppet team. What's a puppet team going to do, Lord? I must help with a play. What is a play going to do? Don't understand it. Don't know. See, but God knows the end from the beginning. He knows what he's doing. He's got a plan. God's not making a plan. Jesus is not making a plan up for your life as you go. Do you, do you understand it? Do you understand that God doesn't make up a plan for your life as you go? He says all the days of your life are written in his book. He knows the plan. That he has for your life. He has a plan for your life. He's got purpose for your life. You're not drifting around killing time until death. We see it. Wasting sleeping time. Nah. 
Yeah, the only thing I have left is sleeping time to lose because I've got no purpose. I'm drifting around. No, 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 no. God's got a purpose and a plan for your life. And right at this moment, he's speaking to these disciples. He go, get me that donkey. And but they didn't know that this is prophecy about to be fulfilled. Hundreds of years of prophecy about to be fulfilled. Just put that prophecy scripture on for me, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go to the next one, Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes to you. He is righteous and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is hundreds of years before Jesus. This prophecy comes. Now I want you to understand, this, these disciples were fishermen. Remember, Jesus didn't go through the na nature of the culture. The culture worked like this, that the rabbis, they went to the high school and picked the top students. And then they would interview those students, and those students that got the best mark, he said, you can come become my disciple. And then he would go to, let's call it university, with the rabbi. And he would walk in line with the rabbi, walk behind him. And the guy that had the most dust on him, he was the best student. That's the guy that's walking right behind his rabbi. The guy at the back is the worst student. They, they would walk behind in line according to their abilities. That's how they used to do it. And the thistles used to kick up dust. Jesus didn't do that way. Jesus went to the dropouts. The G class. Who was in the G class? In the F class at school? EFF class, eh? E and F. He went, he went to those guys and he said, follow me. I'll make you a disciple. Follow me. So these disciples didn't know the word. They didn't know the prophecies. They didn't un know, understand this because they weren't the top students. They're the guys that, you know, they passed technical school. Huh? Yeah. They went to technical college, you know, those, those guys. They didn't... They were the fishermen, rough around the edges, like to cut people's ears off, you know, those type of guys. Go fishing. Who's gone to the Shelly Beach, the fishing place there, and sat there with the guys, Rovamana, their language is rough. This is who Jesus chose. He chose these guys. So they don't know, so go get me a donkey. I can only imagine that God turned out. But they were obedient. And this is very important. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Stop trying to sacrifice everything and just start being obedient to the Lord. Just be obedient to Him. If you don't know what He's saying, just open the Bible and read it. Just read it. You'll see what's written in there. And you'll be obedient to what He says. You find something. He says, love your neighbor. Then it means you love your neighbor, not his wife. Okay. 
Annars hätte ich gesagt. So, that the, the, this took place to fulfill which was spoken through the prophet, saying to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even as a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. You see, the Bible never stands alone. A piece of scripture is never isolated, and this is my theology, this is what I believe. The truth shall set you free. I want you to understand that people that speak that and come up to you and they give it to you straight down the throat and cut your, your legs down, you can just tell them to turn around and walk away. Because they're taking one piece of scripture and they're putting it in one place and they say, I can say to you whatever I want to, however I want to, as long as it's the truth. No. The truth is a person. Jesus says, I am the truth, the way, and the life. Amen. So He sets you free. So when you share truth, you need to share truth in the character of Jesus. In the heart of Jesus. With the intent of Jesus. And Jesus' intent is never, never, ever, ever to chop you down to size, but always to build you up. Amen. Always to build you up. So you can go speak to somebody. Let's speak to Brad. I'll take Brad as an example. No, Brad, you bought that bike. You better ride that. You know, it's, it's watch a waste of your bicycle. And it's a waste of money. You should ride that bike. Now, what's it doing? It's breaking him down. Now, I feel, well, I can speak to him because I've got relationship. I know him. I've known him since yay high or whatever. Or I can come to him and say, yes, Brad. You are such a nice bike. That thing's crying out to be ridden, eh? <laughs> Same thing. But I'm not condemning him. I'm not breaking him. I'm not cutting down to size. You see, we don't have the right to cut people down to size. We don't have the right to belittle people. So whether they fit your mold or acting the way you want them to act, or not acting away. We only have this. Ephesians 4.29. Speak words that build up people. Amen. That build them up. That edify them. That bless them. And it's easy to know if you do that. Just when's the last time you blessed your, your spouse. Blessed your spouse. Put your hand on your spouse. Say, I bless you. I bless you. You know what, ma'am? Tell your wife. And I do this to my wife. Not, I'm showing you as an example. You are an excellent wife. You are a great cook. You are a phenomenal mother. You are excellent as a businesswoman. You are like clockwork. You are stable. You are solid. And lots of you spoken words of life over your spouse. You see, when we start doing this, when we start walking, when we start speaking life over our children, start finding the qualities in our children. I don't know about you, but me, it's easy to find the things about my children that irritate me. Hello? I'm not alone. Huh? It's very easy because... 
you are irritating me. It's not so easy to find the good qualities in them. You see, our job is to build them up. So Jesus sends these guys, and this prophecy happens. Now, look, the disciples went, and just as Jesus had instructed them, he brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd, I want you to listen carefully to the words, most of the crowd. The crowd speaks about the broad population. It talks about your family, your friends, your colleagues, your business partner, your gym, gym people, the guy that mows your lawn, the crowd, most of the crowd, not the disciples. This is very important. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. So while these two disciples were obedient, the crowd went crazy. You see, they didn't think that. They didn't know getting a donkey will have such an effect on the crowd. Just doing a very stupid, small little thing, like praying for your meal in front of everybody at the bride, can have an effect on the crowd, the audience around you. By saying no to that beer, can have an effect on the crowd around you. This, this situation just exploded. People cutting trees down. Like, you follow it. Can you see this happening? Yes, this guy coming in. Don't, next thing, the people up in trees cutting leaves down, throwing their clothes on the ground. So that this donkey wouldn't step in the mud. It's not Jesus stepping in the mud. It's the donkey. That this donkey would not step in the mud. It's interesting. A donkey has got a cross on his back, if you didn't know that. There's a cross on a donkey's back. You can go look. Jesus is talking about the cross. Says, Your salvation is on the cross. Your salvation is not in the bank account. Your salvation is not in a person. It's not in a philosophy. It's Jesus. Amen. It's the cross that's the salvation. The crowd goes crazy. And the, listen to what they're doing. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Who sang that song? Hosanna in the highest. Who's, who's, who sang that song? before? Okay, do you know what Hosanna means? So we're singing stuff that we don't understand. Is my people perish because of the lack of wisdom. A lack of knowledge. They perish. They sing Hosanna, Hosanna, but they don't know what it means. They, they think it's a praise. It's not a praise. It's a cry out for salvation. It's Hosanna, meaning save us. Rescue us. See, this crowd, they've been waiting for a political leader to come and save them. Jesus saves. This is what he does. He is a savior. When Israel was in Egypt, he sent Moses to lead them out, to save them. From what? A system, a political system where they were slaves and oppressed. 
while they were living in Jerusalem, they had the same experience under the Romans. The Romans made them carry their weapons. And if, they, if, you, if you found a Roman soldier next to the road, you had to carry his weapons for a kilometer or a mile, whatever. And then Jesus said to him, if they ask you that, go to. See, they were oppressed. They were second-hand citizens in their own country. They were deemed not good enough in their own. See what the world does. See what the spirit in the world does. Telling you that you're not good enough. You're a second-hand citizen. That the service that you deserve you don't get, doesn't come. We'll pollute. Please vote for us again. We'll give you a t-shirt. I don't want to get political. I'm just trying to explain to you what they were living in. They were living in a, their own country. Oppressed as second-hand citizens. And the Romans, the fat cats, they were dictating. They were deemed as dogs. In Egypt, they were deemed as dogs. They were deemed slaves. God sent them to be saved. Then, later on, they fall into Babylon. Babylon was a war army that missioned and they conquered and they Nebuchadnezzar had them and they were bondaged. They were enslaved in captivity. And then they wanted to, you know, it's a very, very interesting thing because this hasn't changed. It remains the same today. Then they wanted to educate their children what they wanted them to know. They went after the children. Babylon goes after children. So they wrote curriculums about sexual education. Have you seen the curriculum on sexual education in this country? You will be shocked. It is horrific. It's PG-21. They want to teach that to primary school kids. You see, they went after Daniel and his friends. Daniel and them were the top students, the brightest young minds. So come live in this palace and we will teach you the Babylonian way. What sustained Daniel? His relationship with the Lord. This is a man that prays three times a day. Daniel says, well, I'm not going to eat what you eat. You see, they came up with funny diets. Are there funny diets around? Are there funny diets around? Okay. I mean, really. I'm currently on a vegan diet. It's only water. <laughs> you know? So... Daniel said to him, no, 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 I'm not going to participate. Us, we, we're going to eat veggies and we're going to eat some fruit. And, we, and they went into this Daniel fast. And after a period of time, they found Daniel and his friends in better condition than they were. But Daniel kept on praying. You see, and then this Babylonian government made a law against public prayer. Does it sound familiar? Come pray in school. The countries where you are forbid to present the gospel to any person. The Babylonian system is speaking and is screaming and is pushing at our door. 
that you cannot proclaim your faith. You cannot share your faith with anybody. Daniel wasn't allowed to pray, so they threw him in a lion's den. So by the time he hit the ground, now I don't know how long he fell. Hopefully it wasn't too far. Okay? Otherwise he'd broken his arm. <laughs> Second story, by the time he fell, the mouth of the lions were locked. Immediate grace. Immediate grace. Okay? Why? Because of his relationship with the Lord. Daniel's in that lion's den. And these lions are barking. And you know that, that sound, that oh, it's a deep sound. It's kind of scary sound. And these lions are roaring. But they can't touch him. What are the lions in your life? What's roaring at you? What's screaming at you? Is it your finances? Is it your self-esteem? Your past, the things that have happened to you, your insecurities, your shyness, your fear of heights. What is barking at you? What's roaring at you? What's screaming at you? The Bible says the devil is like a roaring lion walking around, seeking whom he may devour. He's a coward and he waits until we are weak. He waits until we are down. And if you know how a lion hunts, he always hunts the one that's on the side and the weakling because it's an easy prey. So if you don't come to church... Guess what? You become an easy prey because you're not with people that can stir you up. You're not hearing the word of God that will build you up and edify. You're not enjoying the worship where something happens in the spirit and God imparts into our lives. So now you become cold, lukewarm, just like a coal when you take it out of a fire. It will cool down far faster than this fire would. The lion is seeking that. But I want you to understand it works on fear and intimidation. What's screaming at you? What's causing fear? What's causing insecurity? What's causing intimidation in your life? I want to tell you this morning. Because of your relationship with the Lord, He locks the mouth of that. Amen. You don't need to be scared. You don't need to be afraid. So Daniel falls in this lion's den, and now he is fasting. He's got a choice, eating all the old bones or fasting. And there's a difference between fasting and going without food. Going without food is very, very easy. It's, it's not hard because you're just in the nat natural. Going out when you fast, you're stepping into the spiritual. So let me testify. Gonzalo and myself wanted to get married years and years ago. I had a job in Mayerton, low-paying, dead-end job at an electrical wholesaler, because I was in Pretoria, and um, she had a car, a little Golf Jumbo 1800, lowered racing pistons. I think it's a machine, bro. Dropped many BMW, bro. They couldn't stick with that little Golf. Eh? Beautiful car. And um, so we're praying. Because we, then I got another job in Midrand. But to take this job, that's triple my salary that I am getting, okay, I need a car. Now you're in a conundrum. I can get this job, but I don't have a car. I don't have a car because I don't have this job to pay for the car. That's the conundrum. Catch 22. So I told Gonzalo, I'm going to start praying and I'm going to fast. 
So Gonzalo went to her employer and said to her, listen, would you help me buy a new car? So the employer says 100%. We'll go to the bank, we'll apply for a loan in the company's name, and from your salary, we'll deduct that premium, and you pay the car. 100%. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the whole week, I'm fasting. I'm not eating, and I'm not drinking anything. No food, no water. So by Friday, I'm shaking like this. And they're... Their appointment to the bank is something like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I can't remember the exact details, but it was late. The, it was Friday afternoon. And I'm fasting for this car, for this breakthrough, because we need this car. So the bank approves the loan. Okay? Fantastic. We're like, oh, that's so great. Donkey Jesus. Okay? Thank you, Lord. Get the car. I can resign. A month later, we get another job. Three months later, we get married. Okay? But in this period, a month later, her employer decided she likes this little car. She wants to go apply for another loan in the company's name for another little gets. So she goes to the bank. And the bank denies her. Bank says to her, no, ma'am, you can't. How did you get the previous loan for that car? There's a warning against your company and against your name from some outstanding bond that doesn't even belong to her. It's a whole mix-up. But she cannot get her own car. You see, while I was fasting, what happened? Absa bend it. Mammon bend it. Down. And we got that car. Five years ago, four years ago, we're fasting this time of the year. Every year, 10th to the 21st, after the 31st, we fast. And... Um, Start my fast, and within a couple of days, I'm doing some research on what fasting does to you. So apparently, if you fast, your mind becomes clear. You become energetic after a couple of days. Once you get over the stomach pains and what, what, and there you get some energy because your body is tapping into reserve energies. And I'm having the contrary. I am as daft as you can find. I'm walking here. Rachel tells me, what is wrong with you? I can't think two seconds ahead. I can't get up the stairs. I'm breathing, huffing and puffing. My heart's palpitating. And I'm doff. So while I'm fasting, Gonzalo says to me, no, something's happening in our office in Pretoria. She says, something's wrong. Just something starts bugging her. Something's wrong in her office in Pretoria. She had three people working for her in Pretoria. Okay? She still has an office. There's two people now. Okay? I thought that's funny. Okay. <laughs> and as the time goes on, in the second week, Gonzalo says she's finding money being stolen. Like clients are paying this specific person, and somehow this money is being stolen. Somehow something is wrong. She just kept on finding. By the third week, okay, boom, everything was just. Open. We could see clearly what was going on. This guy was taking money, he was stealing money. Because that was 15 days of fast. Okay, no food, just water. The Lord Quinzel says, We're leaving to Pretoria now. Five o'clock in the afternoon. I've got no energy. I'm flat. I can't think. My mind is all groggy. And I thought, well, I have to break my fast because I can't drive like this. I want to show you what happens in the natural and in the spiritual. See, in the natural, I'm hungry, yes. 
And I'm thinking just I'm doff and everything. So Gonzalo gives me a piece of chicken. You can't eat too much food if you come off a fast that long. So give me a piece of chicken this big, a little nugget, a chicken nugget. I eat that chicken nugget, and immediately my mind is bright. I'm full of it. Immediately, not 10 minutes later, 5 minutes later. Immediately. Why? Because I've stepped out of the spiritual realm. I've stepped out of that battle there. You know, that war that was going on there, I stepped out. Because this is the channel God is using to provide for us. And it's being robbed and attacked by Satan. And now by the fasting, this scheme has been laid open. Now we see it. And it's been going on for years. We didn't know that. We didn't realize it. We didn't cotton on to it. Because this guy is so scalloped. And boop, yeah, I am. I got in the car, drove to Victoria straight. No sleep, not to, to, We got there the next morning, walked in to his house early, got him, got his laptop, take everything off the company from him. Thing was riddled with pornography, all his coke habits and drug addict habits. Everything was all exposed right there. You see, there's power when you fast. It there's something spiritual that happens when you start saying, Lord, my spiritual being is more important than my natural being. The infinite above the finite. Your spirit is infinite. It's forever. Now, it's finite. There's an end to your life. This will decay. Which one's the most important? That which will last forever. So the minute you understand that, when you fast, you're tapping into that thing. Now, Daniel is in this lion's den, and he's involuntary fasting. There's no water, okay, and there's no food. What do you think he's praying? Lord, give me um, Red Bull so I can fly out of here. So Red Bull gives you wings. Huh? <laughs> That's what he's praying. He's praying, Hosanna, deliver me. He's crying to the King of kings and Lord, deliver me, Hosanna. I need to get out of this lion's den. He's not scared of the lions because he's seen them all locked up. He's probably lying on their lap and makes a nice pillow, you know, nice and warm. <laughs> yeah, kitty cat. <laughs> you see, 21 days later, the angel appears to him and says, we heard your prayer day one, but we had to fight the prince of Persia. The prince of the territory. The prince of the territory. The prince of Persia. They had to fight that. That means there are princes in territories. Okay? Does the scripture say that? Powers, principalities, and rulers of the darkness. They are princes in areas. I had a discussion with a friend of mine. They've moved away. He says, do you know what I find? I find the spiritual atmosphere ice cold. There's a prince there. There's a prince on the south coast. What is that prince? Have you prayed? Have you seeked the Lord? Lord, what is this prince over this place that is keeping people from salvation? That's keeping people, could be you and I, caged in lion dens. Poverty. Addiction. Sexual misconduct. What is the prince in this area? Preoccupied with everything else but the Lord. 
Pretoria. Pretoria is a big city. A lot of things go on in Pretoria. But you know what I didn't find in Pretoria? I didn't know about the spiritual church that denies Christ. I didn't know about where the Hindu temple is or the Muslim churches. I didn't know that. Down here, I know exactly where they are. And they're all within five kilometers as the crow flies from this place. So there is a spirit of demonic worship. That's Prince of the Savior. 21 days later, the angel says, we heard you day one, you're out of here. And then obviously you got taken out and those guys that made the law got thrown in the lines. Then blah, 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 we know the story. Now we're back in Rome. Jesus is going to get me a donkey. He's riding on his donkey. And he's singing, they're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're crying out and saying, deliver us. Deliver us. But the two guys that went to get this didn't understand that. They didn't know. Getting a donkey will cause all of this maracas. But I want you to see the following. Let's read together. In verse 10. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? Who is this on the donkey? Who is he? Who is he to you? I want to I encourage you, but I want to show you that the way you speak reveals who Jesus is to you. If you don't understand that your mouth is made to speak life and to bless and to speak death to lions. Your mouth is made to speak death to lions. To tell certain trees to dry up. That's what your mouth is made for. Not to proclaim what they are doing. Are you following? Let me explain it to you. Yeah, you know, our family's been poor. Our family, uh, it's always been poor. You know, Everybody's tried hard, but we never get it. What are you doing? You're proclaiming what that tree, you're calling that lion, giving him power. Rather than using your mouth and say, fig tree of poverty, you lion of poverty, I command you to dry up. Fear. Fear. Mal fear. Do you know how that looks? Alarm, safety gates, four rottweilers, okay, and a parrot, laser, the best of tracker, all of that. Burger cars, electric fence, alarm, go sleep, tweet. Go to the loo, tweet, tweet. You know? Tweet. That is fear. Your mouth is made to speak death to that thing. You need to start speaking death to that thing. You see, it reveals your proximity to Jesus. It reveals to who He is to you when you understand that you cannot use your mouth to belittle, to swear, and to curse. How do you curse? Well, it'll never amount to anything. See, there she goes again. I don't, I don't trust that one. And just swearing, you know, cussing. It reveals your proximity to Jesus. Listen to what happens here. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred saying, Who is this? Once again, we got this nice word. And the crowds. Who? The crowds have got no clue 
who Jesus is. The crowd was saying, this is the prophet Jesus. Does that sound familiar? Do we get that today? He's a nice prophet, a good teacher, a good man, nice values. The prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The crowds do not know who Jesus is. Many people in the church do not know who Jesus is. He is the Lord. Your God. He says that himself. Go tell them the Lord needs this donkey. Go get me a donkey. Why? Because the Lord needs that donkey. Go do that. Why? Because the Lord needs to do you to do that. Not some Mickey Mouse, not some prophet, not some guy with a nice philosophy, not some guy with a, you know, we're gonna we're gonna practice passive aggression. <laughs> not some guy. No, 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 not some diet guru. It says, oh, please don't kill the animal, you know. Or go, go electric car. Can't go gas cars. Electric cars and everything that makes up electric car makes more damage to the environment than a normal petrol car can. Because those batteries are very expensive to make. Are you going to come and sit, my boy? The crowds don't know who Jesus is. And if you know, you're probably the only Bible they ever read. The crowds don't know who he is. And when you speak life, it's probably the only time they'll hear Jesus speak. Amen. The crowds don't know. I've shared this with you before. Outside of church, how many people has stopped you to present the gospel to you? Outside of church. No one. Am I right? That means if you go out that door and you engage with somebody and present them the gospel, it will be the last time somebody does that. That will be their opportunity to get saved. Go get me a donkey. No, Lord. Go present your, the gospel. No, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I'm gonna, uh, Lord, I am just too shy. I'm not made for this. I don't know how to do. What if they say no? What if they don't like me anymore? What are they? The Lord needs, not a human, not a prophet. The Lord needs you to go and get that donkey. To go and get that unsaved person. The Lord needs you to be obedient. You don't know what could happen. You don't know what ministry might explode in front of you. You don't know how people's lives can just change. Just because you told them that Jesus is Lord. And if you believe in Him, He will save you. He will save you. That's what He does. He saves them out of Egypt. Numerous times, other places. Then He saved them out of Babylon. And He saved them out of Rome. Jesus is a Savior. Amen. Who is this on the donkey? Who is this that hangs on the cross, that rides on the cross, that comes into Jerusalem, the city of peace? That's what Jerusalem means. Salem is peace, and Yeru is the city of peace, or the city of the king of peace. Who is he riding on a cross on a donkey? Not a prophet, but the Messiah that's been prophesied. Please would you close your eyes. Every head bow. Every knee.
I'm going to pray. We're going to pray it every Sunday. We want to, we're trusting the Lord for a thousand souls. A thousand people to react to the gospel, the word of God. Every head bowed, every eye eyes closed, please. And we're going to pray together. If you want to accept Jesus, and maybe you've done this and nothing happened in your inside. And maybe you just, I want to trust and I'm trusting the Lord this morning. That the Holy Spirit will reveal himself to you intensely. That you get proper, good and saved. That you no longer doubt that you are a child of God. And that's what we're going to pray. Dear Lord Jesus, it is I. And you know me, sir. You know that I fall short of your glory. But just like Daniel, I need to be saved. I cry out, Hosanna. Save me. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. That he died on a cross. For my sin. He paid the price for my debt. And he rose again. And now sits in heaven. And he paid the price. That all the sacrifices couldn't. In one sweep for me. Jesus. Thank you. For dying for me. For saving me. Thank you. That I can call you Lord right now. That you grant me. A rebirth in my spirit man. And that I am a new creation now. In Jesus name. Jesus. Would you baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I receive you into my life, into my heart. I wish to speak in tongues. I wish to walk in your power. In Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your head down, eyes closed. Please, everybody, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, Please, would you just look at me? Just look. I'm not going to make you get up. I'm not going to come forward. I'm not going to put your hand up. Just look at me. One, thank you. Two, thank you. Three, thank you. Just look at me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're trusting you for a thousand souls, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the work that you are doing. That you have made them new. That they experience you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Won't you stand up? I want to bless you before we go. Put your hands in a, in a receiving mode. Just like you want to get a gift. Because a blessing is a gift. Jesus wants to bless you, my girl.